0: This is the part of New Orleans that, that got forgotten, you know, like they, yes, they, where they're rebuilding so much of it. But here you just see the decimation, and this is not something you're seeing after all these years of after the hurricane, you know. It's, it's been like this since 2005. On August 28, 2005, Bernell Cotlin was at work, ignoring repeated calls from his mother. Finally, he picked up and he heard his panicked mother cry Katrina is going to be ugly. Please come and get me. With just the shirt on his back, he grabbed three pairs of jeans and his wallet and then drove 18 hours to reach a shelter that was only 250 miles away. His brother didn't make it out. Gathered with dozens of people around one small television, he saw the city go underwater and watched people hang out of windows and cling onto each other on rooftops, begging to be rescued. Like thousands of others, he lost everything. Except the will to rebuild his neighborhood that was badly wiped out, but he loved so much. In 2010, Brunel Cotlin returned to his beloved Lower Ninth Ward and did the impossible with his mother and wife. He breathed life back into the Ninth Ward, brick by brick. I knew I couldn't go back. <laughs> you just mind. put it out there. She said you've got at least a the year to dug even deep Luck deeper. is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so why couldn't That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Kogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators, people who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to ticket before you kick it. I don't
1: believe in excuses. If you really, really want something, you're gonna make it work. Yeah. I wanted a grocery store. People told me that I was crazy wow. to turn this building into this. So.
0: And that's why it caused me my entire life savings. What was it about you that you feel like you had to pick up the reins and, and, and do this? You should not have to catch three buses
1: just to get you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. This is, this is something you're supposed to get in your community. And and three yeah, buses is this stuff. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I get kind of, uh, I'm sorry. It, 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 it still hurts me because this is 2019 and you should not be suffering. like that. Um, I don't know why it's like this, but it is, but it's my home. It's my home.
0: Wow. I really appreciate you uh, letting me come into your neighborhood today. That was something. (laughs) And from where we are now, we're looking across the Mississippi into the Ninth Ward is just across there.
1: Further back that way. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. It's, It's close, but yet so far away. And you had the opportunity to see that today why, why i said it like that because it's like it's a it's like it's another country like
0: it's another world well in a way it's been so isolated since katrina that it has been like another country to a lot of people just to get simple things it's taken incredible effort to to just make simple things happen in their community
1: unfortunately yes sir it is um as we say um here in new orleans making groceries it's it's almost impossible to make groceries in the Lord nightwood in my community. Um, the closest grocery store that we have, it's Walmart, and it's actually in the next city. You actually have to catch three city buses to get some groceries to feed your family in my community.
0: You know, being in New Orleans, when you come here, you hear a lot about the rebuilding. And when you see New Orleans in the news now, you see Mardi Gras, you see footballs with the saints it it looks like the city's recovered but you're living a different reality than a lot of people here in new orleans unfortunately yes sir um,
1: in my community where, where i'm living at we don't have none of that we have nothing the, uh, i have the only business in my area we have a, a barbershop in my building we have a a grocery store a sweet shop And because of the Ellen DeGeneres, now we have a laundry room, and it's the only business
0: in my community. Katrina was 14 years ago? Yes, sir. When I was standing in your neighborhood today, you pointed to the top of the telegraph pole, and you said, Phil, the water was up to the top of that pole right there, and that pole had to be 25 feet high. Yes, sir. You're telling me that all of that Ninth Ward was just... Underwater though. That's what we saw on TV when we saw those images of people on top of their roofs That's what we were looking at. That's what you was looking at. You was right in the heart of
1: it Right where you were standing at was the heartbeat of the lower night ward You were maybe eight blocks from where the levee actually had burst through and all of the water uh, Came in there and um, it wiped my whole community out. Had anything like this ever happened before no, this is the first time this has ever happened in the United States where
0: 80% of a major city was destroyed. This is the first time this has ever happened. So I mentioned that the city is rebuilding, but they're not rebuilding in the Ninth Ward no, sir. like they are in the rest of the city. No, sir, they're not. And what is the reason for that? Um... I don't know. People come in my store, um,
1: and I hear all kinds of things. Some say it's uh, racism, some say it's socialism. Um, I don't know whatever whatever the reason is, shame on them. Because it's we all are humans. We we should not be suffering like this. This is twenty nineteen. You know, we should have simple things where you can go walk into a store and get fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, and unfortunately they just never came to the
0: Lord Night Ward to, to rebuild. What about those people who say, well, why rebuild it because it's susceptible now? It's susceptible to another big storm. Um, I understand why they would say that, but I'm pretty sure everybody
1: heard this. as no place like home. They rebuild the infrastructure, the levee system. It's home. It's home. So whether it was destroyed once or twice, it doesn't matter. It's just like the, the fires in California. You know, it's home no matter where you are. There's no place like home. You know, so um, we want to come back. Like you just said a few minutes ago, uh, Katrina happened 14 years ago. We may never see a, a, a Katrina again. They say it's a 40-year storm. I'm, I'm hoping I'll never see it again, but it's home,
0: so we have to rebuild. Where were you at the time? When, when did you even hear that Katrina was coming this way? Um, I was working at
1: McDonald's. I was a, a store manager at McDonald's and we heard about the hurricane was coming and I gave away all the food. I, I sent all my employees home. I was just giving away all the hamburgers because everybody was evacuating. And after I gave away all the food, I locked the store up and I actually went home and I went to sleep. I went home and went to bed. Um, and after, this was where? This was here in New he, Orleans. He, in New Orleans. In, were you in the ninth ward? I, I was living in the ninth ward. Uh, at that time, I was working at the McDonald's on St. Charles up here. And, um, I guess I closed down the store and I went home and went to bed. Um, you just figured it was a storm, just, a storm just got to ride it out. Correct. That's that, that was my line of thinking. And my mom's called my phone. She kept calling me and calling me and calling me. Your mom's
0: who you call. Number one, number one,
1: number one. Cause <laughs> she is number one. She is number one. Okay. <laughs> and, um, she kept calling me. She called me, myself and my, uh, little brother, uh, Kevin. And, um, I finally picked up the phone. I must have ignored the first times. Like, you 10 were like, Mom, Mom,
0: stop bugging me. I'm trying exactly. to sleep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so when I picked up the phone, um, it was something in her voice. She said, No, son, you've been in the military your whole adult life. You've been in Germany your whole adult life. You have no idea what a, a, a hurricane is. She said, Please, please come and get me. Come and get me. Let's evacuate together. And it was something in her voice. I've never heard my mom sound like this. I never heard number one sound like this. And, um, when
0: she said it, it, um, it touched my heart, and a light bulb went off in my head. Something told me to get up. You so, realized it, w- it was that woman's int- intuition, mother's intuition, and you heard in that voice, son, get up. Yes. get up, go to mom. And go to
1: mom's, and that's exactly what I did. So um, I grabbed uh, a pair of uh, jeans, uh, two shirts. I, th- I thought it was gonna come right back. I said, oh, the power's gonna go out for a couple of days, you know, maybe a little uh, water, but nothing uh, major. Yep. Um, and when I went to my mom's uh, house, and I said, "Boy, where's Kevin? I know you called Kevin, just like you, you know, harassed me." So we, uh, she said, he didn't answer the phone, and uh, he said he wasn't going to leave. When when she finally got him on the phone, so you and your brother, both of y'all stubborn. So um, Kevin stayed. So in uh, his house, he stayed in his house. So me and number one. We uh, got on the highway. It took us a thousand hours to finally get
0: up to Baton Rouge because everybody was leaving, and we finally made God, it. that up. must have been so scary to leave your brother behind and you see the entire city just like evacuating. It it was terrifying. My mom's um, she she cried, you know, going
1: up there, but it wasn't bad because she was more she was more angry. It was she was more angry than anything because he didn't leave. He didn't leave because that was before me and my brother was born. They had a hurricane called Betsy. Yeah, I remember Betsy. Uh, um, We didn't know. We had no idea. So we finally made it up to Leesville, Louisiana, and we went to a shelter there. So we checked in the shelter, and the next day we turned on a uh, television. It was maybe a good um, 75 of us, if not even more, around. It's one little bitty small TV in the shelter, and we saw the city go underwater. And um, right then and there, number one, she broke down. She broke down and just cried because um, just seeing seeing the uh, the city go underwater like that, and uh, it just, it it, it hurt everybody. It hurt everybody. Um, I I picked my mom up, I gave her a hug, and I said, it's going to be all right because that's all we thought about was Kevin. I actually went outside the up and I cried uh, myself because I never experienced nothing like that because we didn't know. We had no way of talking to them because they had no electric, no uh, police, no fire department, nothing, because everything was underwater. Everything was gone. So we went um day after day. She cried. You could hear her crying. So I went over to uh, her army cot because we were always on army cots. I never thought I'd see another army cot a day in my life, but that was my bed again. So I went over to her uh, cot and I, every night I said, he's going to be fine. Kevin is fine, Kevin is fine. and um. Uh, I went up, I jumped in my car, and I went to Walmart in in Leesville, and um, I was just standing. I had nothing to do, because I just wanted to get out of the shelter. And a total stranger, a lady I'd never seen before, she came up to me, and she said, you, uh, Katrina, uh, evacuated. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, can I help you with anything, please, please. Um, A random stranger. A random stranger. I'd never seen this lady before a day in my life. And I said, uh, said, yes, ma'am, I do need some help. And um, I said, uh, uh, something simple. All I want, if you can help me out to get a telephone charger for my phone, um, I, plugged, I don't take nothing for granted. This, this taught me uh, don't take anything for granted. But um, I plugged it up. And the very first call I had was my brother, Kevin. Because He was he alive. He was alive. Because we saw so many people uh, died. I, we had
0: I, over heard. 1,800 people. Over 1,800. I've heard the most horrific stories, or, you know, just uh, and to this day when you come back, people talk about the stories of survival, but so many didn't make it. So you, I must have been to hear your brother or to see that your brother was alive. <laughs> It, it touched
1: everybody hard. He said, I, I had the only phone number that he remembers. So, uh, <laughs> so we, we laugh about it now uh, and things. One brother listened and one brother didn't. So, tomorrow, the, the story, we listen to it. So, you're the
0: favorite son, let's be honest. I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> I'm the son that listened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where did your brother end up? What, what happened to him?
1: Um, he said he wished he would have listened, but he was uh, one of the unfortunate ones that was stuck on the roof. Um, so he said he used to jump into the water and uh, swim to uh, a store and anything he could find. He said he found uh, uh, old bread or anything that he could uh, find and then would swim back to his house and get back on the roof. And because there was no, there were no other choices? Nothing. They had nothing. He said he went a couple of days uh, starving. He, he, he was, was on a, the roof for days. On the roof for days. He was on the roof for days. And a helicopter finally came along and picked him up and he was able to get to the uh, Superdome. And that's how he was able to finally get a phone call to me and let everybody know he was still
0: alive. The stories that we've heard, you've lived it. You know what it's like. You saw your neighborhood go underwater, and you were one of the first people to go back. I had to go back. um,
1: uh, It's my home. I used my VA home loan to buy my very first house when I got out of the military, I had 48 wonderful neighbors. I mean, the Lord night war was full of energy. It was vibing, you had businesses everywhere, you had stores everywhere, it, it was home. It was home. And to to lose all that, to see everything go under, um, it, it's it's like a nightmare, it's like a movie. It's like a, it's like a horror movie almost. So when I finally went back uh, to see it, um, there was all kinds of ugly rumors that said it was totally unhappable. It wasn't going to let nobody live there. They had rumors that they uh, was going to turn it into a desert. There's this,
0: this all kinds of things people you, were you, saying. You said about your neighbors, you said it didn't really hit me until I got my very first neighbor, Miss Emanuel, and yes. she was she was taking her groceries out to the taxi one day, and it hit me. There was nothing there. Like There were no stores. There were no... There was no infrastructure and that's when you realized wow this is everything's just being wiped out
1: everything's wiped out when i seen my first neighbor missy man my very today i have three neighbors from 48 and she was my very first neighbor when i saw her take those groceries out of a taxi and i went over and i talked to her i really didn't think about it i didn't think about it at all and um i drove up and down a little night when i noticed we didn't have nothing nothing no stores nothing
0: you said, uh, imagine you don't have a car and you have three or four kids and you have to, you have to get on those buses with all those kids and go do this, the most simple things that, that a parent has to do to look after their kids.
1: What, when i when I realized that that's after I bought that that building, yes, and I was up there tearing the roof down and it had this one lady she had her kids, and she was walking up the block. She didn't see me because I was on a, on a roof at that time they had
0: a rotten second floor, and I had to tear it down. yeah I, I want to talk about this so w- when you go when you go back, the house that you used to live in it was gone, gone. The house that your mother used to live in gone. the house your brother lived in gone everything was gone
1: everything was wiped out we had to start all so over so
0: you walked back to essentially your what was your old neighborhood didn't look anything like your old neighborhood but you realized it was home and then tell me how you arrive at the building that you are in now because the photograph of that building doesn't look like a building that would ever come back to life but that's the building you chose and i'm just interested in what drew you to that corner into that building? When I built my, rebuilt my home and I drove up and down the
1: lower night ward, um, after speaking to Mr. Emanuel, it, it it just, it's like I say, it's, it's, it's an indescribable feeling because the smells was in the air, uh, water was everywhere. You had cars still upside down. It was just, it was horrible. The weeds and grass was high. It didn't look like
0: home. It didn't look, look like New Orleans. How many people came Back, Brunel, because you came back, your mom came back, but what percentage do you think of people who came back and said, I'm going to give this another go after what was essentially hell? Other parts of the city, you wouldn't think Katrina ever hit. Some parts of the
1: city, Katrina is still alive. But I, in the Ninth Ward,
0: I guess is what I'm saying. Like, How many people came back and were stoic like you and said, we're going to rebuild this Ninth Ward? Not a lot. Not a lot, no sir, because it was the hardest hit area, so many people
1: died right there in the Lord Knight Ward. others was victim of contractor fraud, some were just afraid, some were traumatized. everybody have a you know their own story. um me, I had to come back because, like I said, it was my home, this is my first home I'm just wondering
0: why you were so driven what what, what gave you that strength in the face of adversity um. Was it your military training? Because you spent how long in the military?
1: Eleven years, sir.
0: Eleven years. So was it that 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 had taught you, given you that mental toughness, that never die attitude? What do you think was it that made you? Um, I would say the military and also my upbringing with my mom's. And what was it specifically that you took from? What what is the best quality do you think that she gave you? Um what you just said, never quit, no matter what.
1: There's always a way around anything. You know, I never look at the, the problem, there's always an answer to every problem. There's always an answer. Sometimes you may not like the answer to the problem, but there's always a solution. And she taught me always, always look for the answer. Um, even in the military, I took that lesson that moms taught me and the military uh, put inside me even more. So uh, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. Even when I decided to open up this grocery store, people laughed at me.
0: People told me I was silly. Well, Bernal, I, I mean, I saw the photograph. I can understand why people were skeptical. I mean, the building looked so rundown and decrepit, but you saw something that others didn't see. And today we see this wonderful store of yours that has such an energy, And but something inside you said <laughs> that's the place? Yes, sir. When I, when I first
1: drove there, and um, I looked at 2036 Caffin Avenue, I, I, I walked in this building, I kicked a, a lot of the debris around, like I said, it was, it was underwater. I held my breath for a while, and I said, this is it. This is it.
0: And, and you were there with your wife in this building? Yes, sir. And you say to her what?
1: I look at her and I, I took out my phone. I, I was taking pictures for everything. I didn't tell her at that time um, that this was gonna be a grocery store. I didn't tell her, she had no idea. Uh, cause it was just all in my mind and my heart. And um, I looked at her and said, you know we need to uh, open up a grocery store cause Miss Emanuel let us know about you know, Walmart. Cause of what city. you saw, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I said, do you wanna do this here? And she looked around and she said, do you, know, do you want to this? Yes, I do. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And I immediately took a picture of it. And um, it cost us four years of our
0: lives and our entire life savings. So you cashed in everything you had I to in it. cashed in everything in I it. had. It
1: was extremely hard. I'll tell you a quick story that a lot of people don't know about it. I bought the building, let's say, on a, um, on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, uh, by Friday, I had a code enforcement, a lien on the building, saying that the building was belighted and it was What's dangerous uh, but like code enforcement it means you're not supposed to have a building that's not up to uh, code i see so the city will put fines on you because it wasn't uh a sturdy it's like uh, a derelict building yes sir
0: yeah so it's not it's not actually it's not deemed as inhabitable
1: correct like, so so you bought <laughs> so and they charged me uh $17,000 code enforcement fine so i i had oh, a choice for now
0: man they need <laughs> to give you a discount on a, a let,
1: refund wait let me tell you let me tell the story listen to the rest of the story so um i had all oh, when i tell you i had all kinds of adversity i went home i cried because when i read the letter i just i just i cried so i asked myself do i pay this fine off or do i finish what my dream of opening up the grocery store uh, so we decided to fight. We went to court, and we fought for a whole year. And they kept telling us, no, you have to pay the fine, pay the fine, pay the fine. So I finally got a hold of uh, not this man, not Mayor Contrell. It was uh, Mayor Mitch Landrew and I told him what I was doing. You managed to get to the mayor. I managed to finally get to the mayor. Right. And, and I told him what I was doing and um, it was in the middle of a, um, of a, a meeting and um, it was my turn to get up to the mic and the people in the Lord night ward said that's that crazy man trying to make open up a store. So when I got up to the mayor I said sir I need your help I said I want to open up a, a store in my, in my community and he never heard of me. He said well how where? I said if you can get this fine. I, I held the paper up and I showed to find, I said, if you get rid of this, if fine, I promise you, I'm gonna open up a store. And so, um, everybody went, Boo, give him a chance, give him a chance. So, Mitch Landrew called me up to him, he shook my hand. He said, I'm going to help you. And a week later, uh, he got rid of the fine. I only had to pay $1,700 yes. instead oh, of 17000
0: I love stories like that. So
1: me and Mitch, the mayor of Mitch Landry got jammed
0: tight. You got tight,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I opened up the store. I invited him to the grand opening. He Next time he cut open the, uh, the ribbon. Oh, he turned up to cut the ribbon? he believed in me he yeah. believed in me so I had I had two people then I had Keisha and Amir okay that's a good start yeah it's a
0: good start oh, but um everybody else else crazy <laughs> maybe I am well, crazy. well you are a little crazy yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you but you're crazy in a good way you know I mean, you. we need people like you in the world you you are you know one of those people that is you know you're prepared to break new ground I meaning you're prepared to do things that other people are not prepared to do and that's how the world is a better place because of people like you that have that that strength. I don't know how you got up every day and just continued to go. And and just walking into that store today and I saw a number of customers come in. I mean, you've created this oasis, uh, a a place of hope in the middle of what has been absolute death and destruction. You brought life back. It's like uh, in the desert, a beautiful uh, flowers growing up in the desert. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what it feels like where you are because all around it's it's taking a while to come back Brunel. Yes, sir unfortunately, it is
1: and um From a business perspective I understand because there's not enough people for a business to be sustainable And so the business are not coming back because it's not people and the people don't want to come back because there's no business It's like what came first right the chicken or the eggs They have people back there, but, but you're sticking
0: else. it out Why because you think there's a chance that it will come back
1: I'm sticking out because it's my home. I live five blocks from where you were today. That's my home. Right. And I know they have people there. I see them every day. They come into my store every day.
0: And those same people is why I did what I'm doing. Tell me about that opening day when the mayor comes in and they cut the ribbon and you open up your, your store after you're, you've been to hell and back. Well, before that, Sacrifice that happened, so much. before
1: that happened, I had a grocery store window before I actually had the official Oh, grand so before
0: opening. the opening, it was just a little opening. It was just a
1: little bitty opening, a little, little little bitty small window about that big, where people would have to come, knock at the window, and they would order their groceries. And I sold everything at this one little bitty small window. I sold milk, eggs, bread, cheese, you name it. It went out that window. And how long
0: did you do that for? How long about, was- about two years, a little bit over two years. And all of that time, we, we, was it easy to get people to come in and supply you with the goods that you needed to sell? I have to go get
1: my stuff even still today. I go to Walmart. I go to Sam's. I take the Sunday's newspaper, cut out the coupons, and I pick up everything you see in the store. I picked it up. Everything. So you have
0: nothing delivered to that store, all that stuff that's on the shelves?
1: I have one truck. Yes. One truck that comes in. It's called uh, Big Shot. That's a local uh, soda pop or cold drink. Yeah. Everything else you things, I pick up and I put it back in my truck.
0: Why are they not delivering? Why can't you get people to come and deliver?
1: Well, the, they, the, those companies don't want to come to me because I'm a small store. They want to go to like
0: a Walmart. now we've got to change that. Come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> How hard would it be to swing by Brunel's place and drop off some some of the staple goods, even if they came once a month or something? I would love for that to happen with do we Who do we have to call? Are you still friends <laughs> with it? We've got a new mayor
1: now, right? <sighs> I love our new mayor <laughs> that would that would help you out right yes it would it would definitely it would it would save up a lot of time for me i can continue to, to open up new businesses i can continue doing things i found my purpose in life you know my yeah. purpose is service i went from serving our country to serving my community so something simple as that if someone can come and drop off uh you know small supplies that would free up a lot more time
0: you know what i think is so special about you is that you you don't feel like anybody owes you anything you don't want you're not asking for anything from anybody you're a self starter i think you know a lot of times you get people who are they've got the hand out they want something to come to them and you are somebody who is prepared to to do it yourself. Meaning, you're, you're saying, listen, if you wanna step in and help out, that's great, but I have no expectation that's correct. for you to do it. This is my neighborhood, this is my mission, this is, this is my, my dream to get it to a certain place, and I'm doing it for others. And you really are about serving others. That's my mission, that's my purpose in life. Now, I'm just an average guy, but I got above
1: average dreams. Well, my dreams is now, to see my community, the Lord Nightboard, catch up with the rest of the city.
0: Even that means I have to build it alone. Okay, so you don't have to ask for anything, but let me say this. Yes, sir. Uh, today, you showed me your uneven floor because you, you, you laid out a concrete floor for the first time in your life. <laughs> and let's be honest, between you and me, that's not how you're gonna make a living, Brunel, right? No, you're not no. gonna put putting in floors, but I'm not you a did contractor. it, right? You, you, I, what I love about you is if you don't know how to do something, you go online, yes, you sir. go to YouTube, how, do you, how to do electrical, <laughs> how to do plumbing, how to do a floor. That one, we might have to look for a new YouTube video. <laughs> but but honestly, um, there, is, there is so many things, Brunel, that are in excess in certain places where people could share, right? Mm-hmm. And it reminds me a little bit of the story in the Bible where... Uh, where Jesus has a gathering I'm not a highly religious guy but I my grandmother used to tell me this story Yes, sir. and it was the principle of the story that I always took away from what she was saying which was Jesus was speaking to a crowd and some people had food and some people didn't and some people had a drink and some didn't and he basically said if everybody just shares a little of what they have then everybody has something yes sir. so in the spirit of that what I'm gonna say is where would people go if they think hey I can help Burnell with some shelves or I could help him with something, doesn't matter how small, but they see what you're doing and they go, hey, you know, I don't need all of this and I could spare something here. Where would they go if they, if they wanted to serve you? If they wanted to give something to you, what would they do? First, I
1: appreciate that's a beautiful question. Um, if somebody wanted to donate you know, time, funding, shelves, anything, mm-hmm. anything would be greatly appreciated, but it can come right to my store and it says 2036 Caffin Avenue, New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: What are the things that are, would be most valuable for you to be able to serve in your role as serving the community? What would, I saw today, I love the story that you told about the computers because you've got kids who are hanging out in your store Tell me that story. I love that story. With the young girl, she's doing her homework in, in your store, and you're, like, wondering why she's hanging around in your store.
1: <laughs> one day, one day, um, I was closing my store down. It was, just, it was about 9.30 at night, and I, I always circled the perimeter, you know, whenever I go home, and I went to the back of my building, and there was this little girl behind my store. She was on her little tablet. Sitting on the ground with the tablet? Yeah, sitting on the tablet. So I, I said, what are you doing? Come and get, get inside. So I opened up my door and I let her in the Ellen DeGeneres laundry room. Yes. And she's we'll sitting there. We'll talk down. about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I let us finish her homework. So when she was finished, about 45 minutes, about an hour later, I asked her the million dollar question. Why are you at my store this time of night? Yeah, sitting outside At night. So uh, her answer broke my heart. She said, you don't know why all the kids come to your store? I said, no, tell me. She said, you have loud music and you have free internet, you have free Wi-Fi. She didn't have internet at her house. So um, I decided to do something about it. I bought another Katrina damaged building, the building behind my store. You it just was- can't help buying damaged buildings. Can <laughs> <it>? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and turning them into something beautiful. Right? I'm going to turn that into an internet cafe. That's my goal. So um, I need a, I need everything. You um, need
0: maybe like if somebody has a coffee make like coffee maker or or. When I tell you everything, I need everything
1: from uh, chairs, toilets, yeah. toilets, chairs, sinks. It's it's. It's just like it's starting all over. It was a building that was underwater. So I'm starting all over from scratch. The only thing I have, I have the shell of the building. I did clean out all the Katrina uh, damaged debris, so all that stuff is gone. Um, But in my mind, I see a kitchen in there. I see an Internet cafe. I see tables. I see chairs. I see a a men's and a woman's uh, bathrooms. You know, I want a TV to put in there. You know what else
0: you see in there? What's that? Community. 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 <laughs> I mean, this all for you, I can tell. The buildings are one thing. But for you, I, I see that you just get a kick out of bringing people together. Yes, sir. And, I enjoy and, it. And, and, and this idea that you want to serve, it's its just so heartfelt. It's so genuine. You're out there in the middle of nowhere right now because there's not, <laughs> not a lot of buildings around you. There's nothing around me. Uh, and, and, and you, you just... You can just see the energy from the outside. They call it
1: a food desert. When I first got back down from Germany, I didn't know what a food desert was. And that's what they call my community. My community, is be called a food desert. But um, uh, I have to change it. I don't want to live in a food desert. No. So now you can come to my store to
0: get fresh fruits and vegetables and
1: milk, eggs, you know, the normal stuff in a normal neighborhood.
0: Brunel, are there others in your community who are also uh, picking up or filling in gaps you know like you mentioned there was schools there must be some amazing teachers who are who are teaching at some of these local schools that you said there's a a few schools that are five six blocks away from where you are before we had we had only
1: one school in the lower night Ward, one and i would come to my building let's say three or four o'clock in the morning you could see the school bus is lining up to bus all the kids out of the lower night ward to other parts of the city um, and th- those kids would be gone anywhere between 9 to 10 hours a day, you know, just commuting back and forth to the Lord Night Ward. For thank God we finally got our very first high school since Hurricane Katrina. And it's such a good feeling because now they can walk to school or the parents can drop them off to school within the Lord Night Ward. You know, it took long enough we
0: finally got it. it. I mean, 14 years after Katrina, but you're saying it is slowly being rebuilt, the, the, the community. Um, As
1: far as uh, the schools, yes, but as far as anything else, unfortunately, no.
0: So are are, are there any new buildings going up, like new houses? Every now
1: and then you see a house or two uh, that would pop up, like uh, Brad Pitt, for example. Brad Pitt uh, did um, those houses um, on Tennessee Street, wasn't too far from the store. Every now and then you could see a new house popping up, but it's not a lot. Explain the connection between Brad Pitt and New Orleans. Um, Brad. This is a second home to Brad Pitt, and he decided to um. He created a nonprofit, and he built uh, homes. Um, some people love his homes. Others hate them. Mm. If you go down Tennessee Street, they, they nicknamed it Brad Pitt Street. But the houses are not like the normal historical. Did he design them? Because no, I know uh, he loves architecture. Yeah, he loves You can tell. Yeah. You, put it like this. There's no street like this in New Orleans. Is that right? <laughs> so some people love him. Some people hate him. Me, myself, personally, I love it yeah. because if he wouldn't have done it, it would still look like the rest of the the Lord Knight would. So something is better than nothing. And, yeah.
0: <laughs> and like you said, you're focused on the generosity of the fact that he did something. I love And if Brad everybody did. did just a little something. It would be a better world. It would. And that, that get, brings us to Ellen DeGeneres, who finds you. I'm not sure how she found you, but, <laughs> but there's a wonderful clip on YouTube of a visit that her team made. To come and see you. Yes. Tell us about that. Uh, <laughs> this, hot, this got started with Ellen DeGeneres. A lot of people don't
1: know this story. Um, they used to have this guy who um, used to ride a bicycle to my store. He always bought two things. And only two things out my store. He always bought laundry detergent and a Coca Cola, and I. That's I, an interesting very, combination. Exactly. So I went outside and I introduced myself to him. He's on a bicycle and he had a big old huge garbage bag on his bicycle. So I, I talked to the guy for a few seconds. said, hey, how, "How you doing? You no, know, thank you for coming to the store." He said, "Thank you. No, know, thank you for having a store." And um, I asked him, you "No, know, what are we doing?" So um, he told me, to "Come here." He opened up the garbage bag, and inside the garbage bag was his clothes and his daughter's dirty clothes. And he said he was looking for a laundry room. And uh, he drunk the Coca-Cola, he closed it back up, and he put it back on his bicycle, and he had to ride over that bridge that you came over today to get yeah. to the Lord night ward. The following week, I stopped him. He um, had um, broke my heart. I actually went in my store and I cried, because I have a washing machine dry at my house, and this guy didn't. And I said, I don't know how, I don't know when, I'm gonna get you a laundry room. I spoke that to him and I shook his hand. And the next day, the very next day after that, I received a call from Ellen DeGeneres' show. It's like I spoke What are the chances to, of this? I have no idea. And uh, when they first call, I actually hung up. Because I thought it was a joke. And they called right back. It was, it was, it was real. It was really? Ellen DeGeneres. And um, Ellen flew me to Hollywood. And I shared that story uh, that I just told you. And Ellen donated the washing machines and dryers
0: to me. And that same guy
1: now walks to 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 wash his
0: clothes. Yeah, and and I got to visit the the, the coveted Ellen DeGeneres laundry room. (laughs) 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 She rolls up with a truck, right? with, with With the washer and dryers.
1: That people asked me was that stage no it wasn't that was real that was and the real thing when I was yeah because when I was in, in the dressing room they kept me isolated so I had no idea what was going on I was on the premise that after Ellen finished taping they was going to let me uh, meet her and, and then fly me back to New Orleans I had no idea I was going to go on a show so they said well Bernie, come on uh, the show is almost over with so they uh, during the commercial break they let me go, they brought me outside and I, uh, I mean into the audience hmm. and I'm sitting down in the audience just like everybody else and I'm waving trying to wave at Ellen. Ellen wouldn't look at me at all. So I was like, I know. She, she didn't see me. Why is I'm trying she ignore me? Yeah. yeah, why is she ignoring me? Yeah. So uh, they did the countdown and came back on and, and Ellen was introduced, uh, um, you know, telling me about, about New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina. And then all of a sudden my story popped up and I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> and then she called me down. I had no idea none of this was gonna happen. And I kept calling everybody back in New Orleans saying, well, what's going on? Nobody, number one didn't answer the phone. Keisha, John, Walter, none of my friends answered the phone. Ellen told nobody to, to, to talk to me. I couldn't get nobody on the phone. So when uh, we was watching it live and that bus drove up, I was like, wow, that was real. <laughs> so- What a uh, feeling, huh? It was it was like Christmas. It was yeah. like Christmas came out. And, and
0: and you still kept the ribbon from I still have <laughs> the red, ribbon. The the ribbon. <laughs> I'ma always keep that. <laughs> yeah. And the signs and everything. I kept it all. I still have it all today. And it looks like you've invested in some other machines since then, right? You got yes, a couple sir. of other ones? I live in the Lord Night
1: Ward. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna keep on going. I'm gonna keep on going. I really wanna see my community grow. You know so every if someone was to donate to me their time their effort i don't care who it is and um i'm gonna put it right back there in my community
0: and do you have people come and volunteer their time to you for now?
1: i do have some people uh every now and then we get people that, that come in that want to volunteer i met a lot of wonderful volunteers throughout the uh, time throughout the years and, and when they come to work that those volunteers would do in one week would take me months to do so i'm very very grateful i met a lot of great people
0: what would you what's your vision like what do you see happening in the coming years or what what are your dreams you've you had this dream of the store the dream of the internet cafe right now um if i had the
1: funding if i had the money yeah i would love to put a second floor back on my building yeah there was one there before there was one there but i I, I couldn't afford to to put it up there so i had to tear the second floor down No. um I would love to put a second floor up there. I would love to to get the land that's right next to me. I would like to put a daycare center there. I had an elderly lady came to my store a couple of, um, months ago and um, said, Mr. B, Mr. B, can you build a funeral home? I was like, no, not Ooh, yet, I want no. to build a funeral home. Yeah, I want to build a life more. We're, we're trying to do <laughs> life first. <Yeah. laughs> but I couldn't get offended because I said, I was going to build a a grocery store. It's it's a need. And uh, she asked me. I said, I was going to build a grocery store, and and I've done it. So I know why people come to me. So I'm not angry. But um, I would love to put a daycare center. I want to build more houses. Uh, I would love to open up another store. Even something as simple as a clothing store because we have nothing.
0: Nothing. What, What do you think you could do to entice more people to come back? Because there must be some people, families that have been there for generations, who said they're not coming back, right?
1: A lot of people are not coming back because there's no stores. Yeah, and like I said, the stores are not coming back because there's no people. But um, if I could build houses, yeah, and affordable housing, uh, that would help out a lot of people because living in a, in a beautiful city like New Orleans, you have the Airbnb, um, and, and people go up on the rent. So we need affordable housing. This is what I love about American Trail, you no, know, because she she does care.
0: I like this is the, the new. Mayor, yes, sir. Tell us about the new mayor because she's a, also a friend of yours. You're very good at making friends with the mayors. <laughs> <laughs> when
1: when American Trail first came to me, um, she asked me whether I support her, um, and I talked to her for a few minutes. She wanted your vote. She wanted my vote, yeah. and she had this thing called a listening tour. And uh, when she came to me, we we had to talk. I love her energy. I immediately told her yes. I had no idea if she was going to win or not, but I, I just fell in love with her. And I told her yeah. So she had her first listening tour right across the street from my store. And a lot of people showed up and things. So I like her energy. She made a hard um, campaign promise, but she kept it. Like we have these uh, traffic cameras. Mm-hmm. And she said she was going to demolish all the traffic cameras because people were getting unnecessary uh, tickets, speeding tickets. She did it. You know, so it's um, not too many often you find a politician that would say something to actually do it. And so far she's been doing it.
0: Does she have visions for the Ninth Ward? Does she talked to you at all about that? Like things well, that she wants to do? She said she wants
1: uh, to help me. I haven't had a chance to go directly and say, hey, you know, can you help me with XYZ? So I'm in the middle of building that internet cafe. Someone be knocking at the door uh, soon. I also want to get the land behind me because
0: nobody touched it for the last 14 well, years. Who owns all the land around your store and all? The-
1: some of it the city owns, some yes. of it. Nora is a, uh, another, that's uh, New Orleans Regional Development uh, Authority. Some of it is privately owned. It's just, just been sitting there and nobody's been touching it. So if I can um, get some more funding or I can get the mayor to donate it to my nonprofit, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna keep on building. Like I said earlier, I just want to see my community catch up with the rest of the city. Even you know, that means I have to build it alone.
0: It's it's my it's my home. Wow, you're such a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> are you always this positive? Like, where are there days like all of us where it, 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 um, life feels like a challenge? Because I, I see you. You got such a big smile. You got great energy. But do you ever have days where you're like, oh, man, this is hard and I, Believe I don't know not, how to keep going?
1: When I have days like that, I go to the store and I sit on the cash register. And whenever I feel down and I'm I mean, on the cash register, I feel better because people come into the store. And I feed off their energy. That let me know when I'm doing it right. Every time someone open and closes that door. So on my bad days, I slow down and I play cashier something as simple as being on the cashier helping my customers
0: and is that the, the, the favorite part of what you do is that connection with the people the connection with the people let me know that everything me spending my entire
1: life savings wasn't in vain me putting all those hours there you know uh, trying to do the floor or the electric wasn't in vain because i see that my my efforts it made a difference in, in other people's lives and it feels good let me know it's worthwhile
0: yeah we got in a taxi cab last night, and there was a gentleman driving us. and He was from, well, he lives in the, the Ninth Ward, and he lost family members in the hurricane. And he was saying it's just heartbreaking because he drives back there. Yes, sir. And he sees that nothing is being done. And then, as a taxi driver, he's driving into all these other areas of New Orleans, and he sees how much is being done everywhere else. And that, that's a good question for the mayor. Like, Mayor, can we, <laughs> can we remember that the ninth Ward is over there and we need some help too? We need a lot of help. We need a lot of help. And that's
1: one of the reasons why whenever I get a chance to talk to someone or, or meet someone, I tell them about it. I invite them to come to the store. Because a lot of people just don't know. Because when they turn on the TV, they see Bourbon Street. They see the French Quarters. They see the Saints. And it's only once it's good and once it's finished. And it's not. Ten minutes from where we're uh, standing, you'll go into the lower night ward, and you won't see anything.
0: Is And so that neighborhood is unlike any of the other neighborhoods in all of New Orleans?
1: None. That's it. Katrina is still alive in
0: the lower night ward. And, 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 Burnell, as far as perspective, how many people were living in that ninth ward before the hurricane? Before the hurricane, we had
1: 15,000 people living in the Lord night with all homeowners. It was thriving, you had energy, you had businesses, you had homes, it was family. Everybody knew everybody before and Katrina. You, you- you grew up there? I grew up, was born and you raised. You were born there, grew up there, went to school there? I went to school in the Lord and I well, The very first time I left New Orleans was when I went to the military, and I went to Germany to serve the country.
0: And what is the history of, of that area? Is is it known for something in particular? It was all um,
1: uh, black homeowners. Um, it's just like one big family. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody
0: knew everybody. So when you went off to military when you went on uh, overseas in the military, everybody would have known about it. Everybody know, about it. And when you come home on the home visit, there would be, be you'd drive down the street and everybody Everybody would, knew me. Everybody <laughs> would know who you were. So you mentioned yes, there were fifteen thousand people before the hurricane, and now you said the population has dropped down to about The last census taken oh, I
1: stopped paying attention to it. They say it was like a little bit over six thousand people. Yeah. You know, um it's, it's still sad um, every day, like I, I get depressed sometimes when I drive through my neighborhood like going home because I in my mind I remember they had a house here or they yeah. had a store there and it's gone. And today you won't see nothing but high grass
0: or empty lot and it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be hard. it is. Well, it I is. know you don't wanna ask but I'm gonna say anybody listening, anybody watching who wants to be a part of what you're doing in any way, shape, or form, whether it's a visit to go to the store and just get some traffic going there, or <laughs> whether it's something that people feel they can do to help you out, they can go where. Give us the address again. My address is
1: 2036 Caffin Avenue, C-A-F-F-I-N, New Orleans, Louisiana, 70117, and um. Yeah, I'm. I'm not too proud to uh to beg or uh, ask for assistance. Any is plenty. Yeah. Um. Anything at all, you know, whether you're Mark Zuckerberg or uh, the average Joe, you know, um. We we do need the help because a lot of people just don't know. Is
0: there a website at all? Do you have a website set up? Yes, sir. Now, so, that would be something. Some maybe somebody could help you set up a little website. Said, I could say I can use all kinds of help. So that's right? a good idea. Yes, that sir. would be a good thing for somebody. Yes, sir. A good school project. It'd be an excellent school project, right? <laughs> your dream, you say. My dream is to make my neighborhood catch up with the rest of the city. Everybody, when they turn on TV, they see the French Quarter, they see Bourbon Street, they see the Saints. New, New Orleans is not finished. No, it's it not, is finished. not finished. It's and not. That's, that's your dream. You want the Ninth Ward to be finished. I have a
1: simple, easy, easy dream. All I want to see is my community catch up with the rest of the city. It's very very simple, and if they don't want to do it, and I'll do it. You no, know, donate to me. I live there. I'm not going anywhere. I've been doing this here for the past like, since 2009. I'm, this is my home. You know, I was born and raised there. So if if someone want to donate anything to me, if
0: they don't want to do it themselves, give it to me. I'ma do it. I'ma make it work. I believe it i believe it Brunel, we we, i end my my interviews with a couple of questions yes sir first question is if you could take a road trip across america and you could have anybody in the car driving across america living or dead from you know history someone living who would you take in the car with you oh wow three people (laughs) um prince will be one wow that's good yeah okay he'll be the first wow um nobody what? has ever said that <laughs> really yeah so you got him <laughs> yeah he'll come back and he'll be with you um
1: other than prince i would say uh number one number one of
0: course yeah well she who's driving the car by the way keisha Keisha, okay. Yeah. So that's, the, that's it's you, your mom, number one, and, and Keisha, yeah. and, and, right? Prince. and Prince, of course, yes. love it. Going down a highway. In, in a purple car. In a purple car. That would <laughs> be good. And Brunel, your last day on earth, what would you do with it? <laughs> My last day on earth, um,
1: I would travel. I would like to travel. And um, one of the reasons why, I look at life as a book. And it would be a shame to go through life and not turn as many pages as you can. you know. Because there's a lot of places I would love to, uh, to go to. That's why I love your show. It's a lot of places I haven't uh, seen in life. And I would just travel. I would say as much as possible. I want to turn as many pages.
0: Brunel, you are a wonderful light in the world. <laughs> and I appreciate you, you taking a little time out to talk to me. Thank you. You're an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for coming to the Lord Nightwood. It means a lot. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> wouldn't have missed it. Appreciate it. Thank you. You can watch this podcast online at philcogan.com. And let me know what's on your bucket list. You never know. You might be my next guest. Don't forget. Ticket before you kick it.